Star Wars 7x7 bonus episode. So this episode, I gotta say I wasn't necessarily comfortable doing this, but I feel like I have to do it, and I will explain that to you once we get through the opening credits for the show. And that is to share with you seven gripes that I have about The Last Jedi. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Mike and Joe from the Cantina Cast. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And the, yeah, the reason why is that I get a feeling at some point that there's only so much fanboying that I can do over stuff, right? I mean, I like to keep things positive. I like to focus on the positive. But yeah, I know that things aren't all perfect and sunshine and rainbows and whatnot. And with The Last Jedi, there's a lot to love. But there were also a couple of things where I was like, really? Oh, no. Or why? Or oh, or stuff like that. It's going to happen to all of us. But I wanted to share with you the ones that happened for me and who knows, maybe talking it through, maybe I'll get a different perspective on things. Anyway, um, the first gripe I have about The Last Jedi is the concept of the First Order tracking the Resistance through hyperspace. Not that they shouldn't be able to do it or couldn't be able to do it, quite the opposite. It's referred to as new tech, that the First Order must have developed some new tech in order to track them through hyperspace. But the fact of the matter is, is that this has already been invented in the Star Wars universe and already used in the Star Wars universe. And how many years ago? You'll be surprised. In-universe, it's 38 years. It's been 38 years since it was first used. And that goes all the way back to the Star Wars Rebels episode, Gathering Forces, which was in the first season of Rebels. And it was in the winter finale. So we're talking three years ago in our universe, this thing was invented. And 38 years in-universe for the whole Star Wars story. That's how long the tech has been around. So to introduce it as new tech was like, eh, you know, that could have used a proofread from someone in story group <laughs> to catch that. Anyway, uh, second thing I want to gripe about is Captain Phasma. And, you know, I mentioned it on one of the earlier bonus episodes of the podcast, but I swear to you, like when you hear Kathleen Kennedy talk about how Gwendolyn Christie is going to get an expanded role in The Last Jedi, that she's definitely going to be more prominent than she was in The Force Awakens. Well, that does get your hopes up for more of Captain Phasma, and we just didn't get it. We got possibly, you know, as much, if not less than, in the amount of screen time that Phasma appears in The Last Jedi versus The Force Awakens. So I really thought she was underutilized for the movie. And especially after I had read the Phasma novel by Delilah Dawson, her backstory is rather compelling. And so to have more information about that character and to not see her get too involved in The Last Jedi was a bit of a disappointment, to say the least. All right, here's the third thing. And it centers around the three lessons that Luke said he was going to teach Rey. And... The thing that's missing here is the third lesson. The third lesson is never actually delivered in the movie. Nothing is flagged as possibly being the third lesson. We get the first one for, 
you know, her reaching out with the force and feeling all, you know, the stuff around her. And then the second one has to do with the Jedi and their hubris and how they allowed for, you know, complete and utter failure. Like there is a legacy of failure, according to Luke, and how Darth Sidious came to power and all that stuff. Third lesson? Uh, not so much. <laughs> No third lesson at all. No hint as to what it might be. So yeah, that's a little creepy to say the least. All right, the fourth thing we're going to talk about is the slap. And as amusing as it was to see Leia slap Poe, really, I don't know if that's the way it should have gone down. I mean, particularly with the fact that you've got all these other bridge crew folks in and around the area and Poe just got back from, you know, a horribly dangerous mission and yet, you know, it also had some serious costs too. So did he deserve the slap? Well, I don't ever want to say that anybody deserved something like that as much as there's some comedic value to it. You know, it just makes me a little nervous to go down that slippery slope. But I really don't think that Leia should have slapped him in public in front of all these other officers. I think if she was going to do something like that, it deserved to be in private. And so I didn't necessarily understand why she had to do that in a way where it could really have backfired for him, for his confidence, and for the confidence of the whole bridge crew staff in him and his abilities to lead. Now, the fifth thing I want to gripe a little bit about is Vice Admiral Holdo. Specifically, I wanted her to be a little loopier, a little nuttier, especially after reading the portrayal of her by Claudia Gray in Leia, Princess of Alderaan. When she was a teenager, she was very Luna Lovegoody, as I've said on the podcast previously when I was doing the Leia, Princess of Alderaan reviews and whatnot. So I wanted some of that loopiness to make it through to adulthood, and it didn't really. I mean... <laughs> You know, if Poe was going to butt heads with her, as we all heard about and knew would be happening in some form or another before we went in to watch the movie, it would have been fun to have him butt heads with her, not just because he didn't agree with her strategy or whatever she might have been doing or seemingly not doing, but if it would also be because he thought she was just a little too nuts, like cracking under the pressure or something like that. Just a little bit of that loopiness from the original character portrayal in Leia, Princess of Alderaan, I would have really appreciated. I loved the way Laura Dern played the role. I thought she was great in the movie, but yeah, I wanted to see that additional wrinkle on her character, and I didn't get to see it. All right, the sixth thing that I want to share with you as a gripe about The Last Jedi has to do with Finn and Rose on Canto, on Cantonica for the name of the planet, Canto Bight for the name of the casino city. And specifically, I want to say that they really did not keep a low profile there. And I can't imagine why not. I mean, I know time is of the essence and that, you know, they should definitely be hustling to find the guy that they're supposed to find. But really, just they made such a big show and scene of themselves and it ended up getting them caught and thrown in jail, which then led them to hooking up with DJ, of course. So that didn't necessarily work out very well. But the fact that they were, you know, dressed so down, like they weren't wearing uh, outfits that blended in with the clientele at Canto Bite at all. They just looked like, you know, in, in, uh, 
Rose's case, like a maintenance worker, and in Finn's case, like just some guy with a beat up jacket. But they play it very loud and noisy, and you know, they stand out like sore thumbs with that very elegant, well to do rich crowd, and it gets them captured right smack dab away. So, yeah, that I thought was a little bit uh, unexpected in a way, but just unnecessary, and you would have thought that they would have been a little bit smarter about things, but no such luck. All right, the last thing that I want to talk about as a gripe is the slow motion chase. And this is, of course, you know, when the <laughs> when Leia's cruiser is trying to get away from Supreme Leader Snoke's ship and all the Star Destroyers that came to support it, and they are full ahead on their sub-lightspeed engines, and they're going faster than any of the Star Destroyers can go, so there's no way that they can catch up until they burn out of fuel, and they keep peppering shots at Leia's cruiser. Like, they just keep going pound, 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 trying to wear down the shields. So this whole situation, for me, at least the first time through, it reminded me of back in 1994, the low-speed car chase where O.J. Simpson was in the back of his friend's car and they were cruising along at like 30 miles an hour on the highway and a phalanx of police cars were following them to, you know, find out where in God's name are they going to pull over and stop because nobody knew. It just went on forever and it felt like that the first time that I was watching it. There was just no real tension in the scene for me. Now, of course, they're trying to create tension by showing you that some of the other support ships, along with the cruiser, ran out of fuel first, and they started getting back into full firing range of the First Order, and the First Order ultimately pummels all of those support ships. So yes, you should have the sense of dread rising, but for whatever reason, it wasn't there for me. And it's not because I was thinking that everybody on those ships was going to be okay, or at least everybody who mattered was going to be okay. In fact, quite the opposite. And I'm going to explain that to you after the break. Stay tuned. Because essentially it'll turn everything on its head here. And as opposed to all the griping I've been doing over the past few minutes about Star Wars The Last Jedi, I actually have something that I would like to say that I hope will be taken as a huge positive, not just by Ryan Johnson, but the entire Star Wars community in this case. So, yeah, hang on a moment. This podcast is brought to you by Nissan Intelligent Mobility. And I guess the best way you can think about Nissan Intelligent Mobility is to kind of equate it to having an astromech right inside your car, right? You know, the X-Wings will have astromechs, but in this case, it's not going to plot your hyperspace jump for you. What it is going to do, what Nissan Intelligent Mobility is going to do is things like automatic emergency braking and blind spot warnings and Nissan's new ProPilot Assist to keep you centered in your lane. And it begins the journey toward autonomous driving with advanced driver assist technologies. You can learn more about it at sw7x7.com slash NIM. Yeah, that's the initials for Nissan Intelligent Mobility. Once again, that's sw7x7.com slash NIM. Welcome back. All right, so the one nice thing, not that I haven't had many, many, many nice things to say about The Last Jedi so far, but the one big nice thing that I wanted to say that I haven't said yet is that I found with watching The Last Jedi that I genuinely thought that many characters 
that I assumed previously, like there was no risk to whatsoever losing them, that they were actually put in levels of jeopardy where I thought it was entirely possible that we could lose them, that they would be gone from the movie and from the trilogy itself. And I think that's a spectacular achievement to get me to actually fear that something bad is going to happen to these guys. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. I think the biggest example of that for me is when Finn was racing that ski speeder down the barrel and the beam of that Death Star cannon. Now, why he wasn't just flying like a few meters to the side right before he decided he was going to go into the belly of the cannon, or at least try to go into the belly of the cannon, because naturally that didn't work out, but... I don't know why he just didn't go sideways a little bit. That being said, the music as it was playing and the way his story arc had been going, there was every reason to believe that he was committing suicide and trying to kamikaze this canon. And prior to that, Amelyn Holdo had been introduced, and she was dead within another hour or so. And seeing as how they'd been saying for some amount of time the filmmakers had that eight was really Luke's movie and nine was intended to be Leia's movie. And the fact that they did not make any significant changes to Jedi as a result of Carrie Fisher's passing, that made me think that there was an outside chance that Luke would not survive the events of the last Jedi. Well, that lightsaber duel that they had at the end, him and Ben Solo, AKA Kylo Ren, that put me through the ringer in terms of what I was expecting for Luke's fate. I mean, first of all, how amazing <laughs> did it seem that he was resisting and standing up to all of that cannon fire, even though we know what the truth of it is now. But how fantastic was that, number one? Number two, he seemed so young, and that should have been a key to us that all was not as it seemed. Like, he looked younger from what he looked like on the island itself. And yeah, that should have been some sort of clue for us. If it were, or I'm saying for us, it wasn't for me. So maybe you picked up on it so anyway. Yeah. So back to the point, because of Luke's moves in that battle and, you know, him ultimately putting down his lightsaber and letting Kylo Ren slice through him, like I thought it was going to be an Obi-Wan scenario. I'm sure that some of you had the same feeling where he was just going to disappear and his robe was going to fall flat on the ground. But nope, didn't happen like that at all. And so then when you find out that it's just him projecting a version of himself astrally or something like that, then you're like, oh, wow, that's an amazing force power. And so you realize Luke isn't going to die. He is perfectly fine because he's off on Octu still. And yet, then when they cut to the movie on, you know, to cut to that part on Octu in the movie, and you see Luke struggling with the effort that he put through to do it, and then finally you see him staring out at the sons, uh, or what appear to be the sons, plural, of Octu, and then suddenly his cloak does fold down and he is gone. And you're like, what? What? Like, we thought he survived. We thought he pulled off this incredible trick and was going to be able to live another day. And yet he was not able to live another day. And when I saw the movie a second time, there were loud exclamations in the theater. There were none during my first viewing of it, which was crazy. It was just deadly silent in there. But there were a couple of no's and a couple of what the... And 
you know, <laughs> I'm not going to complete the phrases because, you know, they went all the way to the ends of the earth on that one. And as I've said before on the podcast here, nothing in here that isn't used in a Star Wars movie because we do have some families listening to the podcast too. But anyway, yeah, there were a lot of very confused and surprised reactions to Luke's passing. And so, yeah, I had genuine moments of, I don't think, you know, this person is going to, you know, is going to be taken out of the equation and suddenly they're taken out of the equation. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he did that. So I have to credit Ryan Johnson for actually making me fear about the fate of these characters, you know, that it wasn't just a given that all of them are going to survive to see episode nine. So good job, Ryan. Thank you very much. And that is going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always, to this bonus episode and every bonus episode that we do here as well. This will be the last bonus episode that we'll be doing before we thread back in with the numbered episodes to talk Last Jedi stuff and talk about it in a spoilery way. But again, thank you for listening. May the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go out into an asteroid cave, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you want to join the inner circle of fans, become a patron of the show at patreon.com SW7x7. It doesn't feel like rock, it's destiny unleashed. is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.